So what you're saying is we're three nerds trying to out nerd each other. No, I'm no, I'm one nerd that's out nerding you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Michael, better known as the Kaiju Groupie, and today I am joined by two very good friends of the podcast, Elijah Thomas of the Kaiju Conversations podcast and Nathan Marchand, host and curator of the Monster Island Film Vault podcast. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on here. You told me I had to do this episode OOC out of character, so... So how in the heck am I the curator? That's my fake job on the podcast. Well, then I guess this is just fake news then. So anyway, uh, gentlemen, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing quite well. You know, we've had a fun last 30 minutes of technical difficulties and it's been a yeah, lot it's just of fun. Gonna be, it's just not going to be the same. I did that. I, I did that. Uh, I, that's my fake joke on the podcast joke 20 minutes ago and it's just not as funny the second time well no well the, the listener won't know the difference though i have a feeling because it's just you know we it's 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 fine it's fine uh we've only we only lost like 30 minutes of the episode and we had to just restart the thing because someone's internet screwed up just God. Me, you know <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. That, that schmuck's internet he needs to figure out what the heck's going on he keeps getting throttled at the most inopportune times, you know, right. in the middle of kaiju quarantine, middle of a podcast recording. It's so, so inopportune. I mean, <laughs> that guy should be canceled. I'm just saying. Honestly, there's already a, there is already a, a change.org campaign in the works right now to have that, to have that person canceled. So don't mm-hmm, worry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, kaiju Kim was the first one to sign it exactly exactly she just messaged me and she was like guys you know he's just because i signed it he's instantly canceled instantly canceled yep so before this episode gets too off the rails which i have a feeling uh, it was <laughs> maybe going to because of the last 30 minutes that we just spent together uh oh audio listener i really wish you were able to be with us because <laughs> the best stuff the best stuff of the show actually doesn't even make the podcast. Just say, um, <laughs> oh, trust me. Uh, all of my patrons have heard a lot of the stuff that has been getting cut <laughs> from my show. <laughs> Cause I save all the, out, uh, I call them outtakes and tangents. I save all of those and only yep. the people who pay me get to hear them. <laughs> right. Right. I've been, I've been trying to push Travis, um, to let us do some outtakes some outtake episodes and post them up to the podcast feed. He's doesn't seem to be a big fan of that because most of the stuff him and I talk about is just silly nonsense anyway. Uh, which that's I thought it was of, always silly nonsense. Is there a Yeti well, nipple cut? Is there a Yeti there nipple not, cut? There is not a Yeti nipple cut. <laughs> oh. I promise. I, there is not a Yeti nipple cut. Yeah, well, not, apparently Travis's new uh, Yeti is cutie honey. He's also, what a, is a there a butthole? butthole episode <laughs> there's not a butt rocket cut as well uh, i'm sorry to disappoint the there. there is not a butt rocket why cut. am i even listening to this podcast anymore 
<laughs> so what you're saying is uh, there's going to be a Kaiju Porn Month next season on Kaiju oh, Weekly. We'll have no. the rockets and Yeti nipples. No, so. we are gonna. We will. We will draw the. We may. I have a feeling that I will get Travis to talk about political commentary on this show before I can get or before I can get him to talk about any of that, which is fine by me. Hey, hey um, I, I'm just saying the rule 34 exists for a reason. It says that if something exists, there is a porn version of it somewhere. That means there is a porn version of Kaiju Weekly somewhere wait. in the ether. I'm no, just, is, is no, there no, a no, porn no, version no, of no, Jimmy from no. S? There is, there is a law. There is a law. There's probably a porn version of War in Space. So there is a lot that would have to change before <laughs> that would have to be possible. Uh, that we won't get into at this time because that is not what the listeners are here for. Uh, but speaking of Travis, speaking of Travis, this is the second week in a row. Uh, uh, you guys probably have realized that Travis is not with us. Well, that's for a good reason because I fired him. So, uh, see, we still hostile takeover. Travis uh, mentioned that I was taking, or it might've been Nathan. I was taking over. I was going to appear on Kaiju weekly so much that I was just going to push Michael out. But secretly, uh, I, I, hey, hey, at this point, you and I are competing over most frequent guest hosts on Kaiju Weekly. And at the moment, the way I keep score, you're ahead of me by a half point, good sir. A half a point. Yeah, because bonus episodes only count for half points, I guess. I'm offended. Weekly. Excuse me? <laughs> you're still winning. I know I am. <laughs> I don't anyway, plan to have you on again, but I'm supposed to be on at least one more time in the coming year. So, uh, hashtag winning. I will always be on. <laughs> Elijah's, Elijah's just going to be lur- lurking in the background somewhere, <laughs> beach recording, just waiting to jump in. Anyway, what I was saying before, before I was rudely interrupted by these schmucks. Yeah, um, thank God, stop interrupting. Travis uh, is actually interrupter, as they say on Retro Rewind. Uh, Travis is on a much needed sabbatical because, again, he is a hardworking podcaster. Also, uh, a hurricane, and also a hurricane, <laughs> also a hurricane, because he does live on the Gulf Coast. Yeah, the Gulf Coast, and so they got hit pretty hard. So, uh, and by the way, are... it's pronounced Zeta, not Zeta. Zeta, not either way, it still makes a really. I listen bad. to you every week. I know these things. I know you do. Unfortunately, <laughs> you do. Um, so uh, it, yeah, that, that still makes a really good uh, kaiju name. I'm, I'm surprised no one has co-opted that yet. But anyway, uh, Travis lives on the ghost Gulf Coast, and they've been some experiencing some really turbulent weather. So if you're one that's inclined to pray, please pray for him and his family in that region. Also, he's decided to. Uh, take a little bit of sabbatical for sabbatical for a couple of weeks because again he needs the rest and you know he's a, he has other things to do other than sit around and talk about giant monster movies. So which is got- why you have both Elijah and I on because Travis is so important to this podcast. You need two people to fill his shoes. Yes, I'm there offended. is there is there is only <laughs> <laughs> the, the, we have the new running joke of the episode. Elijah is offended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm canceled. I'm canceled, and Elijah is offended. Uh, speaking speaking of being canceled, makes me loud. I 
You said it, not me. Speaking <laughs> of speaking of being canceled, uh, the only person that was, uh, I'm I'm please don't please don't take this the wrong way, but the only person that was man enough to fill both of your shoes was Kaiju Kim last week, uh, when I had a great conversation with her about all things Godzilla. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, uh, please go check it out because we are in the middle of. Kai, uh, Jesus, we are in the middle of <laughs> Godzilla month. This will probably get cut out because I screwed that up so badly. Um, Kaiju we are weekly. in the middle of Kaiju Weekly. Month? Yeah, Kaiju Weekly month. Every month, every month is Kaiju <laughs> Weekly month. Um, oh boy! So before this episode gets even further off the rails, uh, I think we got a little bit of news to get into. So if you guys are ready, let's cue the beady beady. Cue the beady beady. Okay, so the first order of business we got to talk about is uh, for Godzilla's birthday. Apparently, there was a Godzilla festival over in Japan, and they showed off uh, a really interesting trailer uh, that everyone seemed to be divided about, and it wasn't the Godzilla singular uh, sing- singular point trailer. We've already covered that part. That was two weeks ago. That was that was so that's so last week by now. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, a terrible joke people i'm i'm full of them tonight and um we got a colorized 1954 trailer now for me um i think it's an interesting concept to see a colorized version of the original 1954 gojira i know a lot of folks are on the other hand we're not super excited about it because at the time we didn't quite know if it was actually going to be the full movie or just a trailer for the movie. <clears throat> so I'm going to, I'm going to start with Elijah and I'm going to ask you, man, have you seen the trailer and what did you think about it? I have seen, uh, <clears throat> cut that out. <clears throat> no voice crack this time. His balls dropped. <laughs> Puberty finally caught up with him. Damn. Anyway, <clears throat> I have seen the trailer actually. Um, so, as a trailer, I'm fine with that, even though I'm still against the idea of colorizing Gojira. Um, I, I know I mentioned before uh, the, the, the recording we're doing right now, um, you don't mess with, you don't make gold better. And Gojira is kind of gold to me. So, mm-hmm. colorizing it without the proper people behind it, i.e., Honda, Subaraya, Tanaka, the people that made the film, they're not alive to approve it, unlike Harryhausen, who was alive to approve his colorizations. Mm. Um, I was not for this whatsoever. And my biggest thing is the film was made to be in black and white. It was filmed on black and white cells. Honda envisioned it in black and white. Uh, He probably would have done color if he had the materials and the right price point uh budget i the word escaped me there for a second but he did it Mm. so he made what he could which was a black and white film that i think doesn't need to be improved on or modernized Mm. whatsoever okay yeah i i I was kind of skeptical when I saw it too because i'm i'm in sort of in the same boat as you where i feel like the original gojira is is a treasure within this fandom, if not a treasure within film, just period. But uh, it's it is in the tre- Criterion Collection, so it is considered a treasure of 
So it's Godzilla's Revenge, but we don't talk about that one. <laughs> well, now we just, there, are, there are now two movies that were on MST3K in the Criterion Collection, so you true. have to deal with that now. True, true. Well, Nathan, since you're since I've got you here, what did you think about it? I Elijah said it uh, pretty well there. Uh, I haven't seen the trailer yet because I am a fake fan. Yeah, because I and, sent you a link to it, and you did not appreciate. I have, I have been busy, my friend. Also. Feel free to send it to me again, and if I don't watch it inside of two minutes, you can hate me all you want. Hey, man, I'm offended. I have seen pictures of it, some screenshots, and mm. it's novel. The colorization is actually pretty nice. I've seen some other movies that have been colorized, and I did not like the colorization at all. It looked mm. terrible. It looked fake. We'll say that. As fake as my fandom. <laughs> See, there's your joke. I'm fake. You're offended, and I'm fake. <laughs> it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, you're and you're canceled. Show. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, oh, it, it's novel, but I think it's unnecessary, and I think it takes away from the film. Mm. If you colorize it, I think mm. it takes away from the mood of the piece. It's so maybe they didn't make it in color because they didn't have the budget for it. They didn't have the resources, which right. I would like to know how what the heck happened because two years later we had Rodan and that was in color, but mm -hmm. and uh, Mysterians. Well, that was the first one in widescreen. Excuse me, the first Tokusatsu in widescreen. You should yeah, I, you, you would know this. You have to listen to my show. You listen to my show. You learn about this stuff. I'm and, wondering though if it was and we can. I mean, this we're not talking about the original Gojira on this episode, but, in, and I'm sure this is something that could be litigated when that moment comes, but was, was the cape was the capability of doing a full color film even available at that time? Yes. Or was it, per or was it on purpose that they did it in yes. black and white? Um, actually I just learned this last night. Thank you so much. I get to use my knowledge. The first ever color part in a film for tokusatsu was in 1949 it was called the rainbow man from Dae. and in that movie there is a colorized sequence it's supposed to be like a guy on lsd or something but mm -hmm. color was available for tokusatsu i think the reason that toho didn't use it for gojira was they weren't sure if i mean they already cut stop motion out because that was going to be too costly I think they were just trying to see, okay, how can we do this as cheap as we can, but without making this a dumpster fire of a film? Well, they didn't cut it totally out, though, because there are moments in that movie with stop motion. True. Right? Because the, there's the... Um there's the scene where Godzilla's tail is just whipping around and crashes into one of the buildings. That is mm -hmm. stop motion. Mm -hmm. It's it's used very sparingly, but it's in there. It's in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But here, let me play devil's advocate a little bit here because sure. Elijah you brought up that uh, Honda and everybody else isn't around to give the approval for this unlike Harryhausen when his movies were colorized mm -hmm. and I asked this of you because you went to a lot of trouble to find this to share with us during Kaiju Quarantine 3 mm -hmm. King Kong that has been colorized what's the difference? Here's the thing you said it yourself I had to go and find this. Like, I, I couldn't go to a Blu-ray and rip it. It was released on VHS and Laserdisc, and people hated it, so it never made it off of VHS and Laserdisc. 
Right. It's people, when that came out, they crucified that film. I don't know if crucified is the right term there. Um, it works. But they hated the colorization of King Kong 1933. Um, so, I, uh, you know, you said, what's the difference? The difference is I'm not defending King Kong because that was not the best of ideas either. Um, an example I would throw back is Frankenstein 1933 or 31. That's not been colorized. No. And I, I don't quite understand this impulse to colorize movies that were originally black and white. It is a little bit strange. As we mentioned in the now lost previous recording, there is a weird prejudice against black and white films. You were saying, Michael, that you were trying to show Godzilla 1954 to your nephew, and he couldn't get through more than 10 minutes. Yeah, he, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And I, and I think there's this stigma, and that's the word I was looking for earlier, was there's this, sig- there's this stigma, especially with newer fans, there's a stigma towards black and white movies. And that's why I asked the question earlier if... Gojira was done in black and white on purpose, or was it due to a technological uh, handicap? I, I want to say it was a budgetary <clears throat> reason, like I said. I don't know. It seems like an intentional thing to me, because there were a lot of black and white films being produced at that point. Mm-hmm. Seven Samurai was produced the same year, and it was also in black and white. I mean, and Gojira and Seven Samurai were giant hits and made Toho gobs of money. I mean, even in the 60s, like Yojimbo, that's black and white, and that's early 60s. Yeah, that might have actually been on purpose. It might have been. Yeah, I'll I'll say this, and we can move on from from this item, but, like, more obscure films that people don't know a lot about... Uh, like uh, Yojimbo, H Man, and uh, is it H H Man's in H Man's in color? Human, half okay. human's black and ha- white. Half human. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, half uh, human is that. Movies like that that have the ability to be done in color. I think it would be more interesting to do those in color because they're more obscure, and so maybe doing them in color would make them more palatable to a to a wider audience. I probably wouldn't like it. I would rather see it in black and white, but I'm weird like that. I'd rather see yeah. it released officially. <laughs> oh, half human? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forget about colorizing it. Actually get it a legitimate <laughs> release. Right. Bring it out of the vault, Toho. All right. So moving on, uh, our next news item is, well, it has something to do with a little bit of Ultraman. So it looks like some brand new Ultraman episodes or series are going to be added to Tokushatsu and Shout Factory TV. Have you guys? Actually, they already have. It was. Have they already been? Okay. And I double checked. You can also watch these on Tubi. So there you go, Travis. (laughs) I'm sure Travis already knows. Yeah. But they're, they are available on Tubi, and uh, I think the they've only added a few so far. I think they've added... Uh, they added the original, correct? The yeah. original yeah. series? Ultra Q, Ultraman, Ultra 7, Ultraman Orb, Ultraman Geed, and their respective movies. Um, Actually, those aren't on Tubi, so maybe there's more that just hasn't gotten to Tubi yet. I think right. that's it. I, I remember checking the email that Shout Factory sent me, and I remember seeing those. 
but I don't. I I think they released everything that's already been put out on Blu-ray. If I remember mm-hmm. correct, I think that was right. everything um, that they put out. Well, it sounds like you know maybe the agreement was to let Mill Creek be the first ones to release all this stuff, right? Physically. And then someone follow back and do them on a streaming platform just so that Mill Creek can make their money and then throw them onto streaming. So that would actually kind of make sense. Yeah. Yeah. There aren't quite that many on Tubi, but. Or uh, not Tubi. That is. Yes. Now, now I know that uh, I've, I've watched a little bit of Tokushatsu for Ultra Leo. And Ultra, I want to say eight was Ace on. Mm-mm. I think Ace was on uh, Tokushatsu, wasn't it? Leo was the only one on Tokushatsu. Yeah, it was just okay. Leo. Okay, so I've watched a little bit of it. I really enjoyed Leo for the most part. It's not as good as it's not as good as Return of, I think. But um, but yeah, I I'm I'm excited for those that are. Yeah, able to to watch it. I mean, I've already seen. There's actually going to be a lot of them, and I'm wondering if actually some of the stuff will actually show up on Shout Factory TV before Mill Creek puts out their Blu-rays. I would. It's a pot. I I would bet against it, to be honest. Like uh, Michael mentioned, I don't think it's going to be. I think it's a deal where they're going to release it, and then it'll be put on streaming. Yeah, because it's the Mill Creek stuff has been out for a year, and they're just now putting it on Tokushatsu. So maybe the next batch of Ultra shows are going to go up on Tokushatsu sooner. But I imagine the game plan, given sort of the pattern, is let Mill Creek, uh, let Mill Creek get their money first with with their physical media and the movie spree media uh, mm-hmm. and the movie street the movie spree platform that they have. And then release it to Shout Factory is yeah. what I'm assuming is going yeah. on. Meanwhile, I need to go continue murdering my wallet with all of their ultra stuff because yeah. I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Same thing, man. It's uh, And speaking of ultra stuff, thanks for that segue. Uh, looks like Mego, uh, a classic toy company, is going to be releasing some Ultraman figures. And I know me, you and me, or you and me, Nathan, talked about this the other day. Uh, when the first images came out. And so basically Mego is this classic toy company and the, the Ultraman figures that they're releasing sort of resemble uh, for lack of a better way to put it dolls, because it's uh, these little articulated plastic figures with clothes on them. Yeah. Actual clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which they, uh, Mego did back in the seventies because they were releasing a lot of DC superheroes and they did Star Trek, Planet of the Apes, a bunch of other ones. Interestingly, they passed up on a little thing called Star Wars. Interesting. Yeah. But, uh, and I, I blame you and Danny DeManna for this. You have, you haven't given me the COVID, but you gave me collectoritis. As soon as I saw the first image of this Mega Ultraman, I wanted it. Well, I couldn't have given you COVID anyway, because I have the antibodies. So anyway, um, but uh, Elijah, have you seen these? Have you seen the press releases on these? I have. In fact, they sell Mega figures, so I should know what they're doing somewhat. Um, Does anyone know how much this figure is going to cost? If it's like anything 29? like the Frankenstein, Phantom of the Opera, and so forth, I think nineteen ninety nine, but I could be wrong. Oh, okay, that's not that's bad. Not bad. No, that's on. That's more. That's in line with some of the um, 
uh, Hasbro Power Rangers figures that have been popping up a lot lately. They're anywhere between 19 to $25 mm-hmm. depending on what you're getting. So, uh, I mean, if you're a collector and especially if you're an Ultraman collector, I know a lot of folks that are into sort of the retro toys, uh, or retro looking toys. And I, it seems to me like retro toys are starting to make a little bit of a comeback, um, especially in the collector's market should be really interesting. So, uh, I'll put a link to where you guys can check that out in the description of the show notes. So <clears throat> moving yeah. on and, and speaking more, about collecting. I know this'll uh this'll excite Elijah a little bit because Elijah, you ordered the uh SH Monster Arts Biolante, didn't you? I did, thanks to you. Okay. Well, it uh, looks like SH Monster Arts is gonna follow that up with a brand new sculpt of their 1989 figure that's gonna be in scale with Biolante. Uh looks like it's gonna be in their six inch line, six to eight inch line approximately. Uh, no price or availability has been given yet. I would estimate at this point somewhere mid 2021, uh, and probably for a price point around 89 to a hundred dollars is usually what the new releases are setting at right now, uh, retail with, before the, uh, secondary market gets a hold of them. Um, Elijah, Nathan, have either of you guys seen photos of this yet? I have the, and it looks really nice. I gotta say. But I'm also, admittedly, a bit of a uh, noob when it comes to the whole kaiju collecting thing. I have right. been absorbing information from collectors like you and Danny and Kyle Yount and all that by osmosis. And so I have I have ideas about how the whole thing works, but I am not, you know, yeti nipple deep into this <laughs> like the rest of you are. SH Monster Arts and SH Figure Arts are uh, are mid to high tier figures. Usually they're extremely detailed, extremely articulated. Uh, they're not as expensive as, say, NECA figures, which would range anywhere between $19 to $25, respectively, wherever you can find them. And they're not as expensive, at least retail market, uh, not as expensive as, say, X-Plus and some high-end Safube and maybe even and some high-end uh, Bandai figures or something. Yeah, that, that or, makes sense. I mean, I do have one SH Monster Arts figure. I have the SH Monster Arts Ultraman 66. He's sitting on my shelf right now. I'm looking at him. He's hanging out, he's hanging out with uh, Megadon. So. That is a figure arts, not a monster arts. Oh, close enough. There's a difference. Get it right. <laughs> it's the same brand. They just changed the name a little. Okay, but hurt Nathan. Your God. <laughs> I'm a fake fan. Shut up. I don't know. Maybe your nickname needs to be Fake Fan Nathan. I don't know. <laughs> um, that the jury is still out on that. He one. said it first. Um, I didn't say it. Well, that's true. That is true. He 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 did dig his own hole there. The um, fake Marchand. There you go. So it's safe to say, Marchand, you're probably on the fence about this one, but Elijah, since you already have Violante, are you going to be picking this guy up? Um, all I can say is my wallet is not going to be happy with me for a while. Um, <laughs> I don't think your wallet has been happy with you for a really long time. Me neither. <laughs> I think your wallet hates Tokusatsu because you keep emptying its money-grubbing innards. like. Uh, like a stomach pump on Kanegon because you keep buying all this tokusatsu. <laughs> well, it, the good thing is, uh, you know, sites like Awesome Collector, Flossies, and some others who are going to probably be picking this guy up at, at 
at retail price. Offer payment plan. So if you're interested out there, um, I will try to post a link to where people can find pictures of this thing. It really is a beautiful figure. If you're into articulated figures, I'm necessarily not. I used to be. Um, honestly, I got out of getting SH Monster Arts and some other stuff uh, like probably a year ago because I figure if I'm going to invest this kind of money into action figures, I might as well just go all out. And I collect I collect Safube and uh, X-Plus figures right now. So. You figure, but um. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> Moving on. I, I quit. Uh, we got ourselves the first look at what Shin Ultraman is going to be looking like. Uh, and for anyone who's not well, familiar, Shin... not really the first, because we did have that screenshot six months full ago. Look. <sighs> full, first the, full look. The first full look, Nathan. Come on. Anyway, so we get our first full look at what Shin Ultraman, at least the the the, the suit is going to look like, or the CGI or whatever they end up using. I think it's CGI. I think they're going CGI CG. with it. Okay. It's going to be mocap. Okay, so uh, we got our first full look at it. It looks pretty on par with what we saw in that first initial image, although I will say it's either the pose that makes it look like this, but it looks a little less alien than even what we saw originally. What do you guys think? I think it looks like imitation Ultraman from the 66 show. That's what it looks Ouch. like to me. It, it looks too slender. It's missing its color timer. He's got... I was going to say, did, uh, did anyone notice the one important little detail that's missing from this design? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering, though, if that color timer will still exist, but it'll exist in a way that we're not expecting like for some, like his chest will begin to glow or, or something. I, I don't know what the well, Ultraman the next more or less did that because he had this big old symbol thing on his chest. that looked like mm -hmm. a stylized swirl that went across it and that would flash as his color timer. Yeah, I could see it. I could see them doing something like when he's in the midst of battle, like for some reason, his chest like just starts to pulsate and glow and that would be, taken as his color timer i can kind of see them reimagining it in that way uh would make some sense but you're right if they're going after more of a, a 1966 style ultraman the the color timer is a jarring uh, jarring thing for them to leave off yeah but which is why i'm thinking it will probably be included we just mm -hmm. don't know exactly how it's being included yeah maybe it gets Maybe what we're seeing is what Ultraman looks like before he bonds with Shin Hayata. But when he bonds with Shin Hayata, the color timer forms because he Maybe. can only maintain the transformation for three minutes. Maybe that would make some sense because, like I said, it do this does look more alien than what we're used to, at least for 1966 Ultraman. So you may be onto something, Nathan. I, I don't know. What do you think, Elijah? I think it looks stupid <laughs> this okay. is the episode of hot takes okay well uh hold, hold on just a second while i um, you see you see what the problem is is that elijah is offended by this design so. hold on just a second i'm get. i'm gonna go ahead and kick elijah out of this conversation nathan and i'll give me just a second you're about to lose all the recording again <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
you know, this, that's, this is the episode that'll never get finished. That's, that's. I'll okay. So I'll I'll end on this. When I when we first saw glimpses, we first saw that first saw that screenshot of Shin Ultraman. I was not excited. Although at the time I was brand spanking new to Ultraman. I really didn't watch a whole lot of it at this, at that point. Now with everything we've gotten from the comic book and now watching the anime trilogy or the anime series, sorry, uh, from Netflix. <laughs> and hate for the anime trilogy is so deep. That it is. It's, it, it's, it, it's it, subliminal. It slipping. You keep Freudian slipping it in at weird. I know. Points. I know. I know. I've tried to give it a chance. I, I just can't. Um, so I was not super enthused about it when I first saw images. Now I'm a little bit more warmed up to it since I know what I'm dealing with. And so I'm just going to wait and see. I'm just going to wait and see. Right. So um, I guess that concludes our news portion. Not a whole lot to talk about, but there was some stuff. Not as exciting as, say, uh, Singular Point, but... Um, I'm sure we'll have more things yeah, to talk the, about. The 45 seconds that literally blew up the fandom. Actually, hot take, I'm more excited for Shin Ultraman than I am Singular Point. Oh! Really? Oh, you're definitely getting kicked from this conversation now. I have a feeling Singular Point's going to either turn out to be awful or amazing. But it's got it's going to be one or the other. There will be no middle. There's going to be no middle ground for Elijah. Okay. Well, that'll be great. So, well, I tell you what. Elijah is offended by singular point. I think that's, uh, there's your coal open right there. I was offended by Rodan. (laughs) (laughs) I was offended by not Titanosaurus. Yeah. I was, (laughs) I was offended by Gabara. In all honesty. So. I'm just I'm really sad that they they leaned more into the toad instead of the cat aspect of that design. But that's just me. We can't get all we all can't get what we want, can we? Um, <laughs> just like the song. You can't always, always get, get what, what you, you want. want. Okay. All right. Sorry. This is getting off the rails. We're gonna I gotta reel this back in, fellas. So with that said, that leads us into our main topic. And before uh, each conversation about the movie, we do like to ask a trivia question. So the trivia question we la- we asked last week was, what Showa-era Godzilla film is the only one to feature a history of Godzilla in the opening credits of the American edit? And we... Uh, once, I'm not answering it. <laughs> exactly for once you we aren't you you aren't answering it because you always give us a, a really great answer so i'm gonna miss that obviously <laughs> um we did get some fun answers though uh from the drift space we got the best one you right which eh, can't really argue can't really argue with that i can see some i can i can make the argument for it being the best showa era film uh giant monster bs says <laughs> t- terror of mecha monsters inc <laughs> <laughs> I want this movie to exist. Oh, I love it. I, I love want it. this okay. to exist. Pixar making a kaiju movie. That's <laughs> called Rumble. Small slice of heaven for this it's, kaiju. It's called Rumble. Just saying. <laughs> that's not Pixar, though. That's not Pixar. No, that's uh, that's DreamWorks okay. or Paramount. Just it? saying, Mecha Monsters Inc. is like the perfect name for an evil organization for like a random tokusatsu show 
Tele needs to <laughs> copyright that and get on them. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Um, so the next answer we got was from somebody named Jimmy from NASA. Who's that weirdo? I don't know. Uh, and he says, uh, Godzilla's Godzilla's and generals, which is the prequel to Zillaberg. Anyway. Yeah. I don't, uh, I'm not quite sure what he's talking about there, but, uh, Jimmy from, the, I think it's the history angle, I guess. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who this Jimmy from NASA fellow is anyway. Uh, the, geez, these guys, the monster Island board of directors. We have a question for you. What is Godzilla's strongest enemy? Actually, Science they said Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, they said Mecha Godzilla. Oh, sorry, you're right. What is Mecha Godzilla's strongest enemy? Signed M. Who the hell is M? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's Major Spielberg. I mean, Obviously. It's, Obviously, it's obviously Major Spielberg. I was thinking, uh, you know, if, if I thought it should have been like K or something, you know, because the the first alien villain who comes to my mind with Mechagodzilla is Kuranuma. I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't know you who know. his M. I don't know who his M character is. Well, he's so. Sherlock's brother. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a Godzilla monster that was M, but got scrapped. Maybe he's back. Maybe he's a board of director. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't. Know. Who knows? Anyway, Nicholas Those guys Blackler. Are weird too. Yeah, Nicholas Blackler, uh, Disney's classic "A Biollante's Life," featuring <laughs> Randy Newman, Hitch. Uh, Randy Newman's hit. You got a Gojira in me. <laughs> <laughs> that might be my favorite answer of the week. <laughs> okay. I, I, oh boy. My brain. It's late. I, the thing that's in my head is not a good image. You gotta go jeering me. It kind of wrecks. It kind of wrecks the rhythm of the song. Right? You gotta go jeering me. Okay, I know what I should that. cover next. <laughs> oh God, that sounds. You're, oh. Wait. So what happens is in Toy Story Five, Rex gets a little too close to a nuclear reactor. And then turns into a uh, a three foot Godzilla toy. Okay, so and that would actually travel, and there's time travel involved and Major Spielberg. That would actually bring that would actually make that would actually make really good sense to me. I'm glad you brought that up. We need to make that happen. <laughs> I guess <laughs> Pixar needs to make a kaiju movie. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, we've got Alex Sperling, aka Pizza Kaiju, on Twitter. He says the terror of Mechagodzilla, which yeah, is yes. technically right. Yeah, that is very. I, I don't know. The direct article kind of mucks that up a little bit, and uh, it's all in caps, so it's very specific. It is yes. the terror of Mechagodzilla, which begs the question. Is this a is this terror that belongs to Mechagodzilla, so he is terrified of something, or is this terror generated by Mechagodzilla? I don't understand. I think the American version of this was te was the terror of Mechagodzilla. Correct. If I'm not, if I'm it was not mistaken. the terror of Godzilla. Actually, actually, I'm getting actually. <laughs> Here we go. The terror of Godzilla is yeah. the Bobcon Enterprises theatrical cuts. <laughs> That did not include the prologue sequence found in the UPA thea not theatrical television version, which was titled 
the terror of Mecha Godzilla. Mecha Godzilla. So what you're saying is we're three nerds trying to out nerd each other. No, I pretty much. No, I'm one nerd that's out nerding you. I'm not. Sure. Oh, I know. Oh, 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 oh! I'm offended that you're out nerding me. Oh, uh, uh, sure. No. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because I'm the know, fake fan. I'm the fake nerd. You are. That 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 burn though just made all of, that just that just made my night. I'm giving you a <laughs> virtual high five, Elijah. Um, you so, have too many choices for the cold open. I'm just saying. We, I'm, I know. Just imagine. I'm just. I'm gonna edit this episode myself as well. Uh, so I'm. I'm already just looking forward to it. Um. So we also did have some other answers. Uh. We had Adrian Settle, Henry the Host from It Came from a Monster Movie podcast. Uh. Kaiju fans eighty five. Faye from the Godzilla Roundtable podcast. Uh. Kevin Kearney. Current Kearney. I hope I'm Kearney. saying that correct. Kearney. 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 Uh, uh, Kevin Kearney, uh, Kumunga the Brave, which is an awesome name, by the way. Uh, uh, Smith Wesson all said Terror of Mechagodzilla. So for this episode, we are doing Son of Godzilla. Ha! Ha! Psych! Oh, I should fight my own battles. Uh, don't, that's don't not in Son of Godzilla. That's in Godzilla's Revenge, which ma- which is a title that makes no sense. Well, like thirty percent of Godzilla's Revenge is Son of Godzilla, so just saying. Well, you're you're not 30% wrong. Thirty percent of of Son of Godzilla. Yeah, and then the then there's thirty percent of Invasion or uh, Godzilla versus uh, the Sea Monster, and then thirty percent of uh, Destroy All Monsters or whatever other film that they used. I'm going to step in here and say, I don't know if they really used destroy all monsters in that film though. Very little. I don't think they did. They did. There was very little. Okay. Okay. Anyway, regardless, yes, we are going to be covering the 1975 Showa era Godzilla movie, terror of Mecha Godzilla. And for our cast and crew list, I'm going to hand that over to Nathan. All right, so we have uh, Katsuhiko S- uh, Sazaki. I had to pause there for a second, sorry. As biologist, Akira Ichinose. Then we have Tomoko Ai. I think Tomoko it's Ai. Ai, yeah. yeah. Close enough. Ai. As Katsura Mafune. The great Akahiko Harada as Dr. Shinzo Mafune. Katsumasa Ichida as Interpol Agent Jiro Murakoshi. Goro Matsumi as alien leader Mugal, or uh, and he was credited as Goro Matsu, Mutsu. And by the way, this guy, this poor guy got typecast hard. He kept playing evil alien leaders in Toho movies in the 70s. Because <laughs> he was the bad guy in uh, Mechagodzilla 74 as well. And then Tadao Nakamura as Interpol Chief Tagawa. Uh, Henry G. Saperstein was the executive producer of the U.S. version, although apparently there are several, so I'm a little confused on that now. Tomoyuki Tanaka as the uh, was the executive producer. When we had Toru Kawai, I'm so glad we're talking about the other suit actors who played Godzilla. So uh, he was the suit actor for Godzilla. Issei Mori as Mechagodzilla. Tats- uh, Tatsumi Fuyamoto as Titanosaurus. Music by Akira Fukube. Cinematography by Soke Tomioka, directed by Ishiro Honda, yay! And you uh, decided to credit Jun Fukuda because they used stock footage from his movie. 
And then our screenplay is by Yukiko Takayama. And I need a little bit of clarification on this. I heard for years that she was the first and only woman to write a Godzilla film. And now suddenly I'm hearing that there was a woman who got who was the co-screenwriter of Son of Godzilla with Sekizawa. So now I'm I'm wondering where the heck this came from. But Michael, do you know this? I I don't. This is I pulled okay. this directly I pulled this directly from IMDb. So this was the one okay. I was a little bit iffy on myself. I was hoping that one of you guys could clear. So it. Well, it's just I started hearing that and I'm it, it just confuses okay. me. So let me try and clear the air here. So um Takayama was the first female to write herself a full draft for a Godzilla movie and it be accepted. The person that co-wrote Son of Godzilla, she co-wrote it. Um, Terror of Mechagodzilla is the only one to be completely written by a female, even though, technically speaking, a Cheryl Honda like, redrafted her original script uh, hard, like cut out tons of stuff because he said it himself it was poetic and psychedelic and great but it just wasn't cinematic um, there was also budgetary considerations correct. that had to be made like as well. the ending, her script was really ambitious yeah right. like the ending was supposed to be in tokyo and then they changed it to a countryside interesting Interesting. So anyway, uh, just to kind of help move this episode along a little bit, Elijah, do you want to read our plot breakdown? please? <clears throat> Most certainly. Let me get my mic over here. <clears throat> Can I read this in a very dramatic tone? <laughs> Go course. for it, man. In a follow-up to the Godzilla versus... Okay, did we copy this from IMDb? Uh, some of it, yes. Okay. I'm revising this as I read it. <laughs> In a follow-up to Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla from 1974, an expedition to salvage the remains of Mechagodzilla comes up empty-handed. Instead, a massive dinosaur, Titanosaurus, is discovered and destroys the sub. When Interpol launches an investigation, they are led to the Black Hole Aliens. Dr. Mathone and his mysterious daughter, Katsura. After it is discovered Mechagodzilla has been rebuilt, a sinister plot is activated to have Titanosaurus join forces with Mechagodzilla to destroy Japan and ultimately the world. Unfortunately for them, Godzilla returns to push back against the Titanic tag team Mechagodzilla and Titanosaurus to once again save the world from impending doom. That was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. So yes, uh, this is, this is a, this is a really good uh, choice to kick off. Uh, well, not kick off because we're already in the middle of Godzilla month, but for week two of Godzilla month, uh, we're going to be covering the, a Showa era film. And I think, uh, I, as I explained on Twitter early on, I did, we did some polls because we wanted to get the fans involved and find out what they wanted us to cover for this Showa week. And I think Tara Mechagodzilla just barely edged out, uh, Mothra versus Godzilla and son of Godzilla being dead last, which I was actually rooting for Mothra versus Godzilla, but 
apparently a lot of people like terror, which is fine by me because I really love terror as well. Nathan, uh, what are your opening thoughts on this movie? There's a reason I asked to be on this episode, not only because I wanted to hang out with you and Elijah, but because this is my first Godzilla film. Get in line. I saw it. Uh, I saw it as a young teen at my grandmother's house because she had cable and I didn't. It was on WGN, which is actually a channel out of Chicago, but the cable providers in the northern Indiana area would make that available. And it was part of their "Oh my Godzilla weekend." So yes, that joke is not original to King of the Monsters. God, uh, Doherty. What's what's up with him? Seriously. <laughs> right. I, uh, now, the thing is, I actually saw the second half of the movie. I didn't see the whole thing. And it actually became something I sought after really hard on VHS. And I remember, because I didn't know really anything about Godzilla, the Godzilla franchise as a whole at that point, and I also knew that there were alternate titles for these things. So I came across a VHS copy of Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 74, and I bought it thinking it was this movie. <laughs> so right, I, yeah. I was excited when I started watching it. I was excited to find out that I discovered a new movie, but I was disappointed it wasn't this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to I, this day, Terror remains one of my favorite Godzilla films. Yeah, this was one of my first Godzilla films as well. Uh, I remember this one being on a lot as a kid. Uh, for some reason, I saw this one before I saw uh, Mechagodzilla 74 as well because uh, during the famous or infamous or whatever marathon that everyone likes to talk about from 1994 um, that came on TNT, I think it was New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, or New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla was one that was going to, that one that was on. So I remember watching this one as a child and really, really enjoying it. And it wasn't until many, many years later that I found out this, this was actually part two of a duology uh, that ended the Showa era. So anyway, Elijah, uh, what are your opening thoughts on this particular film? Well, might as well hit the repeat button because this was my first film. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So I grew up on the Bobcon Enterprises version, which was different than the one Nathan saw. I know this because he saw it on TV and I saw mine on VHS, um, which is kind of funny because I'll get into it later, but the Bobcon cut version is an atrocity. Yeah. Oh, well, well, trust me, when I did actually get it on VHS and DVD initially, it was the Bobcon yeah. version. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think that was the only version that was available was. for years, but it we'll was. get into it. Um, so, I, uh, I guess I'll say the story again. So, I got um, one year, I don't. I was four years old, I got these Trendmasters Godzilla toys. I thought that Mechagodzilla was actually Grimlock because I love the original Transformers. Right, I think you. I think on my on the episode of my show, Elijah, you talked about how you were wanting a Grimlock toy, and your aunt gave yes. you a Mechagodzilla toy. Yes, um, Mechagodzilla, Mechakingador, and Rodan. And Mechagodzilla stood out to me, and then I was told it's not Grimlock. I was upset at the time, but now I'm happy I was upset at the time because I would have never borrowed her VHS and watched what is Terror of Mechagodzilla. Mm. 
Yeah. So basically, your aunt outgapekeeped you at that point. Yes. <laughs> yes. You can say that. <laughs> or did she give you the keys to the gate? Hmm. Yeah. I think she did. Yeah, and uh, you know, like we've like we both like we've all three talked about. You know, this is this is a a really good film, and it's it's almost really bittersweet to a point because you know. Uh, for a lot of fans who have been into this thing for so long, into the Godzilla fandom, into the Godzilla franchise for so long, uh, you know that this is the final film of the, of the uh, Showa era, which to me is the golden age of, of kaiju film. Um, it's it's really sad, though, that this is also the most, uh, the worst performing Godzilla film of all time. Except it is. Except it didn't, uh, Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle beat it out. Just saying. Oh, okay. So it's second. Yeah, okay. both of them are Mechagodzilla movies. Don't ask me why. People are stupid. Well, <laughs> it's only because I'm just gonna throw my hat in here because I'm just I like to crap all over the anime trilogy. Um, Not wrong. That if if we hadn't have got if we hadn't have gotten like a bait and switch marketing campaign for that film, maybe it would have done a little bit better. Just saying. Well, I uh, would also say that a big reason why all of them didn't necessarily become box office smashes is because everyone knew they were going to be on Netflix in a few months. So it's well, just okay. like the theatrical release was just kind of like a you know early access thing. You know, go see it before it hits Netflix in two or three months. Yeah, that's probably they really weren't intended to be theatrical movies. So, well, there's a lot to like about this movie is what I'm is what I'm driving at. There's there's a lot to like about this movie. And and in some fans eyes, they would even put this movie above the one that came before this Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Now, I would not be one of those fans. I actually like night. I like Mechagodzilla, the, the previous film more. Uh, but that's just my preference. But this is a very close second in that duology. And I think it's a really fitting way that they ended the Showa era. Um, Nathan, what are some things that you really like about this movie? How long do you want to be here? Cause my list well, is long and I had to condense it. <laughs> <laughs> let's try to be, let's, let's condense it as much as we can, but we've okay. got plenty of time. Okay. I'll go with, uh, I'll go in sort of order of importance. Um, uh, I love the characters in this movie, especially Katsura and her father, which is mm-hmm. funny because people will praise Katsura, but Dr. Mifune actually gets a little bit of crap, and I don't think it's deserved, but Katsura right. is a complex character, and what really makes her interesting is that mm-hmm. she's both a victim and a villain in this, which is a very interesting dynamic. She's mm-hmm. a pawn of the simians in this, the black hole aliens, I call them the simians, even though they're not really apes in this one. It's weird. Uh, but she's a ver- uh, she's definitely an unwilling one. And uh, Dr. Mofune, yeah, he's kind of a standard-issue mad scientist, which we don't really see in these movies, which is a really interesting thing. He's one of the few mad scientists we see in the Godzilla series. But the script and... Harada's performance, I really do think, gives him nuance that a lot of people don't realize. I think it's because they can't get past the fake mustache and that wig. Because he looks like Colonel Sanders or Dr. Wiley, depending on your level. See, I didn't even, for the longest time, I did not even know who that was. I know, right? He really disappears under that makeup. Mm -hmm. He really does. does. He does. He has a sympathetic backstory. Shunned mm-hmm. by the scientific community, his wife dies in poverty, and that 
really wrecked him, and I totally understand. So it goes beyond just having his work be rejected. And he clearly loves his daughter. People don't talk about this. They act like he's just a straight villain. He clearly loves his daughter. And I think you really see it in the scene where after her second surgery and she's lying on the table and she has been turned into an absolutely cold cyborg and he's just standing over her and he's just looking at her and he's just thinking, what have I done? But then he realizes I'm in too deep at this point. And there's, you definitely get that sense for the rest of the film in Harada's performance. So he was starting to really regret what he's mm -hmm. doing, but he can't, he's, he can't stop it at that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a really interesting dynamic in this film between, between the two of them. It all, and, and I, and honestly, I see where a lot of, uh, I see a lot of parallels with this one and Biolante, uh, from the Heisei era. Yeah. Except I would say that I can't remember that scientist's name off the top of my head right now. He's less a mad scientist than and, Dr. Yeah. Mifune. True, true. I, I really like the doc. I like that Dr. Mifune really played up that mad scientist uh, aspect to his character. Elijah, what are some uh, opening thoughts and likes for this movie? Well, since I think Nathan's going to pretty well hammer home the actual things in the film. I do just mm -hmm. kind of want to talk about this film in retrospective. Uh, sure. Terror of Mechagodzilla marks the end of <clears throat> director Shio Honda, actor Akihito Hirata, and the bright, bodacious colors of the Showa era, except for War in Space. That is the last actual film that happened. <laughs> but I, I'm not oh, even joking Warren here. Space. It's true. War in Space is actually the end of the bright colors of the Showa era. Um, oh, I know. Which I know. it's kind of interesting because I'm um, doing graphic design right now, and I actually learned the '70s was supposed to be more of a brownish mute uh, era. So it's kind of interesting that with the '70s, um, the bright, bodacious colors ended. Um, mm -hmm. But while Terror of Mechagodzilla was only in production for one month, only a week longer than Godzilla vs. Megalon, I think it's made extremely well, all things considered. Now, there, there are some issues with the Mechagodzilla suit at the end of the film. Um, there's a lack of intricate miniatures, and there are some continuity issues that are pretty well just kind of ignored, all things considered. But I think it makes up for its great camera work um, that both Honda and Nakano's team did. And I think that this film is living proof that a film can be rushed, but as long as it still has a really great team behind it. It's really easy to do a great film. And it's interesting that you bring that up because there's some, I think some of that unevenness to it, like you were alluding to, mm -hmm. I think stems from the fact that this was kind of made by two different, by, by team members from two different eras of the it show was. era. If it I was. can, if I can say that, because you have people like Honda and Afuka Bay the you know, they uh, Harada, the they come back, and they're the guys who were working on the movies back in the fifties and the sixties, you know, the heyday of it. And then after the Japanese film crash of nineteen seventy, a whole new team of well, not except for Fukuda and Sekizawa to a certain extent, but a lot of new blood came in to start working on. It. And that's also the year that 
that Superaya died, so that's another big change. So a lot of new blood came in, and they worked on the movies in the 70s. So there's a little bit of a, I think, a clash of sensibilities here, mm-hmm. right? which I think explains some of its unevenness. But I also think it benefits from the fact that we're getting input from really, honestly, kind of a lot of the, the best people who worked on the entire Showa era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Terror of Mechagodzilla is truly something special. Like, it, it is the culmination of the last 26 years of learning and experience for the Showa era, starting with uh, Super Aya's first work, which was The Rainbow Man, mentioning that movie again, um, in 1949. And since then, we had been seeing this developness, uh, developing art craft that was tokusatsu. And I think Terror of Mechagodzilla was a great bookend to that learning experience um, that collided both the old guard and the new guard of the Showa era into this uneven, I think, work of art that really works. Yeah, and I have a nice summary point about that, but I'll save it for the end. Right, I think... um... I think something that does need to be pointed out too, while we're talking about this is the cinematography for this. film. Oh, oh my. The cinematography for terror is excellent. First of all, excellent. It's one of my favorite things. If we're talking about likes for this film, that is a really uh, distinct light. That is a distinct love for me on this film, at least just some of those low angle and wide angle shots. The, the low angle and kind of like POV shots for some of the fight scenes when Guzzle Mm -hmm. and Titano are trading punches. That's great. And since we're talking about it, it's because this is a, this is one of the things on my likes list. Godzilla's entrance in this movie. Oh, so said I have joked for, I think a couple of years now I have jokingly called that, Godzilla's I'm Batman moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely better than in Mechagodzilla, him popping up out of the water. And it's obviously a different suit. Um, I think it's, it is Mechagodzilla, right? Where he pops up out of the water. Yeah. Oh, at, the and he, it's, fight, at the final fight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's obviously a, 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 a much oh, different yeah, yeah, suit. Yeah. Um, no, I think you're right, Nathan, the, the entrance for Godzilla for this film is is one of the best because the you know the city is the sh- is shrouded in darkness and you bare you barely see him in the distance you know he's there mm-hmm. and all of a sudden like he just and just all the lights turn on and bam there he, and oh no but his his atomic ray hits Titanosaurus from off uh, from off camera and then mm-hmm. and then and then Titanosaurus okay. falls over and then you have the uh, there's lightning and explosions in the background that silhouette him. The the Afuka Bay theme kicks oh. in oh. and it fast zooms in on him. And then after the the lights in the background fade out, you get a nice little it, it Godzilla's face gets lit just enough that you can see it, and he bellows a roar. And it's just like our hero is here, people. You have waited. 48 minutes of this 83 minute movie to see him. He is here. <laughs> Terror. Yeah, that's one thing. glorious. And all of those people who complain about Godzilla 2014 can shut their traps. You can make, you can make people wait 45 minutes to see Godzilla and it will work. 
Yeah, and that's one of the complaints I hear a lot about this movie is they wait so long to to reveal Godzilla in the film, whereas in the previous movie, he's seen pretty much right off the bat. Although the first the first version of Godzilla we see is is fake, mm. but it's it doesn't take very long before the real Godzilla to show up. In this film, yeah. they wait an entire like 48 minutes before they bring him in, which you always you always know he's there. You always know he's sort of a looming presence. You're just kind of waiting for him to show up. But I think that's one of the strongest I think it's one of the strongest uses of Godzilla's character is in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and what's fascinating is like we were talking before about how this is a clashing of the not clashing, but this is a melding of the old and new guard. We still have superhero Godzilla, which mm-hmm. Honda was not fond of. Right, but he kept that. However, in this scene, Godzilla—I mean, excuse me—Honda is still imbuing Godzilla with this sense of awe mm-hmm. that you was more akin to what he was doing in those earlier films. Which I, th- which is why I say it's so fascinating to look uh, look at that. And I will admit, I am a little partial to superhero Godzilla. And I know superhero yeah. Godzilla is not for everybody, but I'm. Still- It's not, it's not. And I think, uh, you know, superhero Godzilla is not my favorite either. Uh, Although some of my favorite show films are him as superhero Godzilla. So it's, it's a weird thing. Like I prefer, I, I prefer uh, Godzilla from, you know, Mothra versus Godzilla. Force of nature Godzilla. Force of nature Godzilla. That's what I prefer. Although some of my favorite films are superhero Godzilla, like Destroy All Monsters, Hedra, and some others. Um, so I can totally get where, you know, where you, where the people love, where people love superhero Godzilla, because we got superhero Godzilla in King of the Monsters, as opposed to Force of Nature Godzilla in 2014. Um, I, I just want to throw out here real quick. Um, we were talking about Godzilla appearing 43 minutes into film. Keep in mind, Godzilla is 48. Not- 48. 48. He is not in the title. This is technically not a Godzilla movie. He's a star. Except it's not even really a Mechagodzilla movie either. Let's be honest. This is a Titanosaurus movie. Titanosaurus. It's like the Mutos in Godzilla 2014. Titanosaurus shows up first, and I honestly think he probably has more screen time than Godzilla does. He definitely, to a to a degree, steals the show, right? Because we've got this, we got this brand new kaiju, <laughs> cackle and um, all, cackle and all, right? Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> and he and he, uh, he snorts like a horse. I've always thought he snorted like a horse. I always found that interesting that they designed him. I always assumed he was a mutated seahorse. Is what <laughs> I always assumed he was. Uh, <laughs> that could actually make sense, but no, he's actually his design makes logical sense the the big fan tail that he can twerk to <laughs> to destroy cities uh-huh. <laughs> yes i just said titanosaurus twerks deal with it but <laughs> everyone uh, wants to see titanosaurus twerking twerking titanosaurus is, there you is go. what everyone wants to see yeah hashtag twerking titanosaurus i may have just created another monster right up there with robot crotch but uh <laughs> <laughs> There's my cold open. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he uses that to swim. So he unfurls that and he fans it so he can swim, which actually makes 
biological sense. <laughs> right. It just doubles as a wind machine, essentially. It does. Yeah, it does. It You know, this is the most, I think, this is probably the most practical kaiju in the Godzilla universe. Which, again, goes to. back to the more old-fashioned sensibilities. You know, so you have Mechagodzilla, the big, fancy, new hotness of the 70s Godzilla films where all the monsters were essentially glorified ultra-kaiju. Mm-hmm. And Titanosaurus is more... No frills, more stripped back, more just a you know a large animal with maybe one little quirk that you know could be used as some sort of a, a weapon. Yeah. So as a just as a co-star and as a character, Elijah, what do you think about Titanosaurus? Um, I real quick, I do want to mention Titanosaurus is more akin to Varen, Rodan, Angus, and Godzilla <clears throat> when it comes to mm-hmm. um really everything because he's he's a natural kaiju. Something that I miss. Um, I miss seeing reptiles. I, a lot of people are like, you know, a lot of people say, oh, we need mammal kaiju and all that. But there's something about a reptilian, pun intended, um, kaiju <laughs> that's special. And what I love yeah. about Titanosaurus, um, he can be in land and in the water, and he can fight amazingly um one thing i love about titanosaurus is he's a lot taller than godzilla titanosaurus kicks i think he's uh, i think he's 10 meters taller than godzilla technically yeah it's something like that he's billed at at 10 meters tall. but then again i have been learning that toho's stats on these kaiju is a lot like weights and heights and pro wrestling they're probably exaggerated Mm -hmm. Just a little bit, just a little bit, but you, you know, um, it seems like you know, he's definitely one of the tallest. He's definitely one of the tallest mm-hmm. co-stars that Godzilla's ever had. I you, think usually, Ghidorah is actually taller, but his yeah. height never made sense. He's supposed to be a twice as tall as Godzilla in the show era. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Yeah, I think. Uh, although, I, I think maybe it was the suit. I think it was just the suit wearing down over time because, because in uh, Godzilla versus uh, Gigan, you know, Ghidorah just looks tiny compared to Godzilla and the rest of the Kaiju in that movie. Right. It just, it just feels, yeah. there was just some, there was just something that felt off about the Ghidorah in that film. And I know it's the same suit from destroy all monsters um, with some slight fixes and modifications because the thing had been torn to pieces at that point. Um, <laughs> did you see the end of the straw monsters? <laughs> I did. I, I did. But you know, the suit was in, in drastic need of repair and it just never felt right. Mm. But you know, Titanosaurus, uh, is one of my favorite Kaiju because I think he's just like, he's not super unique, but he's unique enough to where I wish that he would have gotten more opportunities, uh, in, in other, in later films. I I've never been able to figure out why people just, why he was never used again. I don't even think he was used again in stock footage. If I'm not mistaken, he was, uh, uh, was he in final wars? He was in final Final wars Wars? and stock footage, but outside of that, the Pipeworks games, um, uh, yeah, Godzilla Unleashed, but only on the Wii. Monster, uh, monsters, and then the comics and the plushie and the one Bandai figure and the 
Mitch yeah. Bates figure, and that's that's yeah. all he's got. Which is really disappointing because I know you're saying that Titanosaurus isn't super original, but there's actually an element to Titanosaurus that is super original, and I wish it would come up more. Which is that natural powers? As, well, no. The, we've already, we've been talking about how he seems to be such a you know incredibly capable combatant, but he's not na- he he is not violent by nature. Right, right. That's he's forced true. to be violent, and I thought how interesting of an idea that is. Now I wish we could have seen that a little bit more to get more of a contrast. We really only get it in one scene. Mm-hmm. That's I wish yeah. we could have seen it more, but Titanosaurus parallels Katsura. He's being used and forced to go against his own nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, it's such an interesting idea. I was like, what would it, I always, I've always wondered what would it have been like to be in Titanosaurus's head? Is it more like a, you know, he's being kind of manipulated and told that this is what he wants to do and he does it? Or is it a case of where his body is doing stuff, but his brain is just along for the ride? So it's like he's trapped in his own body. That is a horrifying concept to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry, Elijah. Go I ahead. I was just going to bring up. You mentioned Titanosaurus development, but even Mechagodzilla and Godzilla. I feel like all the monsters in this film have great development. Like Mechagodzilla actually has some character. Like he toys with the helicopter. Oh, he he had a character in '74 too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Godzilla, you know, he's the superhero Godzilla, which I think is the most dynamic way of having Godzilla because you do see him kind of tired and beat up and angry and, you know, pretty happy and all that. Yeah, which just makes the fist-pumping moments in this movie even better, but we'll mm-hmm. get into that, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I really love the monster development in this film. You know, a lot of people say, oh, the suits couldn't convey a lot of emotion. But in this film, I think that the monsters do convey enough emotion that you know what they're kind of feeling or thinking at that moment. It really is a testament to suit acting as an art form. Mm-hmm. I don't think people really appreciate I Like, Haro Nakajima never really, if I remember right, I don't think he really considered himself a stuntman. Even though I think that's technically what his job title was, he thought of himself as an actor. He just wore a three. He would just wear a two hundred pound latex suit mm-hmm. to do it. His costume was yeah, it was a two hundred pound latex suit. Mm-hmm. And you see it so much, and it's not just in this movie, but you can see it in other tokusatsu and kaiju films that these actors are really working hard to bring personality to the creatures that they are playing. I want to touch on a little bit about Mechagodzilla, but a little bit more because in this particular movie, in Terror Mechagodzilla, he's technically been rebuilt. Yes. Um, and I like this version a little bit more because he's slimmer, mm-hmm. right? He's got a little bit of a slimmer design to him. And I think if I'm not mistaken, Elijah, you can probably, you probably know this. Did they use the exact same head from 74 or was it re-sculpted? So the 75 suit is a patchwork of 74, I think. Uh-huh. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure the head is the same, but I know, like, the bulky, like, middle part of the body, that's brand new. The arms are brand new. 
Um, Obviously, because he has different shoulder logos. Right. It, it says NG2. Right. Time. So I think that the head is the same, but outside of that, I think it is a new body. Um, I know at least when they um, tried to restore it recently, it's a patchwork of both. Like, it's got the legs of 74, but, like, the body is 75 and the head, and then the arms are 75, too, or something. Um, I'm not yeah. too sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think because the reason I bring it up is because, you know, this Mechagodzilla, at least out of the two we've gotten, is my favorite because this one seems to look more sinister. Right. This one's got a little bit more attitude. Yes. Uh, the finger missiles are different. Uh, like just the <laughs> missile, just the missiles and stuff in general just seems so much more angular mm-hmm. in this sharper. one. Although. What'd you say? Sharper. Mm-hmm. Sharper. Yeah. Sharper. They Everything just seems sharper about this Mechagodzilla, which adds yeah, to. Like if you brush up against him, you're going <laughs> to slice your arm open. Yeah. It's like he's it's like he's almost made of diamond or just some like or some razor blades. Pretty much, or maybe pretty space much. titanium. Mm-hmm. Obviously, so the concept of uh, mechanical doppelgangers is not an old, is not a, a new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which to me, like, okay, so let me ask you guys really quickly while I'm thinking about it. Out of the four, technically four, because we'll include the anime trilogy. Um, <laughs> out of the four. Out of the four mecha five, if we include Ready Player One, I mean, yeah, five. Uh, sure, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> out of the five mecha Godzillas we've gotten, which uh, which version of mecha Godzilla do you view, in your opinion, is the quintessential mecha Godzilla? Okay, quintessential or best? I'm confused now. Best. Okay, we'll just go best. We'll just okay. we'll just throw it out. There. Uh, in terms of. Potential and concept. Well, in terms of excuse me, in terms of design, Kiryu. It Kiryu had the potential to be probably the best if they had done more with the whole biological brain thing. I could rant about that forever. So I would say overall, Showa. Because Which one they haste uh, 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 both of them really. I kind of I think of them as the same thing. But. <laughs> I hate hurry. you, Elijah. Hurry, uh, go. Uh, hurry, go. Uh, go, uh, go, go. Uh, d- d- 75. I'll uh, just go okay. 75. But uh, Good boy. Good uh, boy. the Heisei version is boring to me. He has no personality. Mm-hmm. Right. And Mechagodzilla City is interesting, <laughs> but it's not really, uh, but it's not really a Mechagodzilla. It's an AI. <laughs> Sing Mechagodzilla City's interesting. <laughs> oh, to be oh, fair, Elijah, you, you doing that? I'm offended we have at your be, laughter. We, we have to be fair. Nathan just may not know any better, right? Uh, <laughs> but have for you me, heard my episode on the trilogy? Uh, I have, I have. It's actually <laughs> it. It's actually one of the most tolerable parts of the trilogy. So anyway. Um, <laughs> Yes, I am tolerable. <laughs> now, now, don't don't get too excited. Uh, my uh, to me, the best version of Mechagodzilla is nineteen seventy four. I think seven. I like seventy four more than I think 
any other version of Mechagodzilla. Um, I like this one. I do. But there's just, although the, the face sculpt I like more than 74, the overall body, just sort of that dinged up looking uh, like someone just took a hammer to the outside of his shell look to him. I don't know. I don't really care much for it. I think he looked better in 74 with, you know, when he was brand spanking new right off the factory floor. Um, I like that one better to me. That is Mecha Godzilla. I don't care for Heisei Godzilla. He's just, he looks goofy and chunky with those big elephant feet. And he's Alus Wassenegafisi. No, uh, which and- actually, I will tell you, I, I always feel in my head, Showa Mecha Godzilla sounds like Schwarzenegger because let's be honest, he's a Terminator. He had a fake skin and then it gets burned off with fire to reveal his robotic chassis. Well, I do like the concept in Rulers of Earth where they where they, where they build an army of Mechagodzillas. Uh, Mechagodzilla 3s. Um to combat Godzilla, the uh, which I always thought I always thought that was interesting. That's a side note, but I don't know. Ready Player One is fine. Uh, Kiryu probably next in line. I like I, I I like Kiryu more than I like the Heisei version of Godzilla. Or yeah, Godzilla. The, the Kiryu is my favorite overall design. Like I said, because it, it's a nice combination of Showa and like the best parts of Showa and the best parts of Heisei put together. I just wish. Mm, the the biological brain thing, man. I wish they had done more with it. Yeah, me too. I agree. I think that's an. I think that's a really good plot twist at the end of this movie where Godzilla rips off the head again because you're like, okay, Godzilla ripped off the head. It's do, it's a done deal, baby. And then all <laughs> he, of a sudden, yeah, he, uh, he did what Thanos said. He went for the head. Just... He went for the head. You're right. You're right. Uh, no, uh, Elijah... before, it was too late. <laughs> Elijah, did you answer? I did not. I was about okay. to. I personally... Well, we all know that Mechagodzilla City is your favorite, so we can probably... (laughs) So, so my favorite, and it goes in this order, it goes 75, 03, 74, 02, 18, Ready Player One, and then 93. I I can find some goodness in all of the Mechagodzilla designs. Um, I love the look of 93. I like the overall design of the Ready Player One version. Um, I, I like 02 and 03. They're, it's a good blend of both the 93 and the Showa version. And then I like the physique of 75, and I do kind of like the crazy, bonkers kind of emotion of 74. So, yeah, I can find goodness in all the Mecha Godzillas we've gotten so far. Except for the anime trilogy one. What are you... What? There's an anime trilogy? What? Yeah. Uh, So we've not really talked a whole lot. We've talked a lot. We've talked some about the kaiju. We've talked about some about the human characters, except for we've really not talked a whole lot about our alien antagonists. Now, I know they're the supposed to be. Aren't they supposed to be the same aliens we got in the previous film? They are. And they technically were probably inspired by the same franchise. Because the simians in 74 are definitely signs that Planet of the Apes just made it to Japan. And I think they're all, this, these, this group of them were inspired by Planet of the Apes as well, but it's yes. the second Planet of the Apes movies beneath the Planet of the Apes because that had radiation scarred mutants in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I will admit the scene where the one guy gets his mask ripped off is absolutely disgusting and super effective. 
Taking everything into consideration, especially with the aliens, and I know this is a question that Travis asked me, I think when we did uh, Astro Monster, what, where would you guys rank these aliens, combining the two films, the Black Hole Aliens from uh, from Terror and the Black Hole Aliens from Godzilla vs. Godzilla 74, where would you guys rank these alien antagonists in the franchise counting all the ones we got, even the Exilians from Final Wars. Uh, Nathan, you go first. Oh well, so we're we're not just doing show; we're doing all the aliens. Uh, <laughs> uh geez, I have to rethink my list. If you're asking me just show, I would put them uh, th- uh, third on the list of the four. The I would rank them higher than the Keylocks because there's not a whole lot to the Keylocks. <laughs> it's just. We're uh, we're gonna take over your planet now. There's nothing you can do about it, and that's all you get. The I would actually rank the Nebulans a little bit higher because they have. There's a lot of interesting things going on with the Nebulans if you dig into the into the script for Gigan a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> nothing can top the Zillions from '65. Right. There's just you right. just you can't top them. They are the most well-developed race out of all of the, at least the Showa-era aliens. And the you know, their motivations are simple and clean, and they are wonderfully sinister and all of that sort of stuff. So there's the Zillia, and they have a great look, and it's actually original and not, we just saw Planet of the Apes, so we want monkeys. So... <laughs> <laughs> or it's not just it's not just uh, stock footage of a cockroach uh, uh, meshed yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. Now, if we're th- including all of them, I actually would probably rank the Final Wars zillions higher, just because they are Boo. they are wonderfully ridiculous. Shut up! I'm a fake fan. I like Nathan. what I like. <laughs> but her Nathan. Uh, Elijah, where would you rank the where would you rank the simians in in the uh, aliens that we've gotten from the franchise. Question: Do we count the Futurians or the Cetopians? They're not aliens, so no. They're technically not okay. aliens, no. Okay, they are invaders, but they're not aliens. I had to. I had to write everybody down so I knew who I was talking about. So I would put the Kilaks at the bottom of my list, and then I would put the Roaches aliens next, and then. I, I, I would probably put the final wars, you know, those guys. And, and if I'm going to be honest here, I really like the, the Katsura story, the Mitsunami Kawa storyline. So I got to put the Exilians from Invasion of the Astro Monsters next. And then on top, I would put the Simians just because of the Katsura versus the Mitsunami Kawa storyline. I think it's a little bit better in the the terror movie. Michael, you didn't tell me Larry the Cable Guy was guest starring on the episode. <laughs> I don't know. That was that was a good that was a good impression of uh, of of someone from Kentucky or uh, West Virginia. That's, I'm that's here really nice. to watch Godzilla. It's like or, it's like Godzilla just without the terror. I don't. That was I don't know. It could have been. It could have been a passable, maybe Tennessee, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, oh God. <laughs> but anyway, 
what I I'm I'm with I'm with Nathan. I would rank the Zillions first. The Showa Zillions. Uh, you guys, and all... then the Zillion, then the Zillions from Final Wars dead last. Um, cancel and I know cancel. Um, probably next in line, just for kicks and giggles. I'm gonna put the Simians next after the Zillions, and then everything else. Eh, it's just sort of a toss up between the Roaches and the. Uh, uh, the the disco space nuns. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm trademarking that. You can't have it. I'm... I know I can't use it. Another uh, way to use disco space nuns. They, they've this, already yeah. been done. They're called the keylocks. <laughs> the only thing that you could do is take it literally. They are literally nuns from space who dance disco. Hello, have you watched Common Rider Kakaida? They literally have animals fighting a robot and a bug guy. <laughs> anyway, back on track. <laughs> back on track. Um, so, okay. So, you know, it's safe to say we've, you know, this movie's great. This movie's great. We love it. Godzilla's design is fantastic. I know a lot of folks don't like it, It's but it's a, a fan favorite. I like this version of Godzilla. I don't necessarily like 73 from Megalon. I think that one's too cutesy. The, uh, the, big, the big freaking eyes kind of weird me out a little bit, but that's whatever. Um, you know, but I like this version of Godzilla. I'm sort of with Nathan on this one. Hero Godzilla fits this movie, this this movie very, very well. I love, um, I love Titanosaurus. I'm a huge fan of Mechagodzilla. I'm just a huge fan of this movie in general, because I think, you know, the later two movies of the show era are two of the best Godzilla films that you can watch period. But with that all said, <clears throat> there's gotta be some dislikes that we, well, don't yes, but there's do. one more very important, like we have to talk about the dolly shots uh, and somebody dropped his mic. I don't know why you did a mic drop before I said anything, but you mic dropped the, how can we talk about this movie and not talk about Godzilla's fiery charge? What? Oh, you talking about the original burning Godzilla? Yes. Oh yeah. The, yeah. the wonderful accident that made the cut in the movie. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I would have probably glossed over it. Uh, if you hadn't reminded it was me, the, yeah. how could you, how could you forget it? It's one of the most striking things in the whole movie. And it's one of my favorite moments, honestly, a, a really the whole franchise, because it really does kind of encapsulate Godzilla. He, he is determined to do what needs to be done and nothing's going to get in his way. It doesn't matter if Mechagodzilla is, unleashing his entire his entire arsenal that rivals a small army. It doesn't matter. Godzilla's going to power his way through it, and he's going to get to it. And then, so you got all these explosions going off, and then the suit catches fire. It was an mm -hmm. accident. And but it looks they, so good they left it, it in. Yeah, it looks so good that they left it in. And then like, we get to one of those fist well, fist-pumping moments, and actually, if you listen to the commentary on the classic media DVD, which has uh, Iken and, and Bob Johnson. Bob oh. Johnson, I was trying to remember his name. I had my disc with me, but then technical difficulties, I had to move, and I didn't have it with me. And they talked about how one of them saw it at a drive-in movie theater, and when when he was a kid, and when he got to that moment where he got so charged through all the fire, he got lit on fire, and then he starts pummeling. Mechagodzilla, he said people were honking their horns. 
in the drive-in movie theater, which he said in drive-in movie theaters, that's the equivalent of applause. And I can see why. That is, that, that is the moment where the villain gets his comeuppance, Godzilla's been getting the snot kicked out of him, and Godzilla's just like, I have had it, I am gonna, I am gonna get to you, and it's not gonna be pleasant, and then he proceeds to dismantle Mechagodzilla. But even then, you know, he starts getting beat up again after that because you yeah, know, he, he, he takes the head off and there's a funny little uh, you know, uh, Robbie the Robot tiny head underneath that shoots him with a laser. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the it, it's a it's an amazing moment in the, you know, the ebb and flow of the climax and it is it is glorious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. It, I, it is a very, it is a is a really fitting way, I think to to end sort of that movie is just because you're because you're right the whole thing is just the whole thing is just bonkers, and the fact that the suit was caught on fire and they decided to leave it in, just all that tells me is these suit actors are are hardcore like they oh, yeah. do not care. Oh, right? they, they care. They, well, they just care. Keep going. Right. Well, that's they are what I really undaunted, meant. my friend. They are undaunted. Exactly. I still have exactly. a lot to say, but I'm going to do the critiques before I continue on my weird love of this film. Right. No, that's fine. But I do, I do want us to kind of. I know Travis likes to call it a positivity sandwich, where we put all the positivity, then we do a little bit of negativity, then we end on some positivity. But I have a feeling there's not going to be a whole lot we dislike about this movie. So let's just get the negative stuff out of the yeah. way. Uh, um, my, uh, my, uh, my negatives are kind of nitpicky, admittedly. Yeah, so, same. A lot, but yeah. I want to start with, I want to start with Elijah. Elijah, what are some stuff that you kind of disliked about this? So movie? I'll be honest. There's only one flaw that I noticed until I read David Callet's book, um, and that's whenever Godzilla throws Mechagodzilla at the end, his hands are not connected, so you can see inside the suit. That's the only critique I can give the film without looking at it. Uh, well, I, I was reading it um, through a uh, actual critic's kind of eye, and I did notice like the continuity in this movie is horrible. Um, that's coming from a guy that loves this film. Mechagodzilla's head, they're looking for it in the wrong spot. It's on the other side of Japan. Um, uh, wait, 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 wait. I can no-prize this. I can no-prize this. Go for it. They never specifically say where they are searching for Mechagodzilla's head. The reason people think... No, they don't. The reason they think that it's in a different location is because they say that Titanosaurus was fa- was discovered in Ogasawara. So my argument is they're still in Okinawa. It's just that Titanosaurus moved, swam down from Okinawa down to there. Because that's where Mechagodzilla was. That Titanosaurus, like, I thought they, they said where they were looking. Nope. I paid attention when I watched it today. Maybe it's different with the Criterion subtitles. I don't know. Oh, I the, the subtitles. Test. Oh, yeah. I watched it with the Criterion subtitles, and they ne- I was paying attention. Like, do they actually say where they are? And they never say one way or the other. <laughs> so as far as I care, it's still in Okinawa. I think the argument is because, like it's I said, Titanosaurus was found in Ogasawara. <laughs> right. Um, but he was 
found there. That doesn't mean he was still there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, other critiques I have is there's a huge issue with Dr. Mafone that everybody just kind of glossed over. One, during the narration of why they kicked him out, they say he was testing on sea life, and they show him with ani- like land animals, not sea life. So <laughs> that's a little issue. A little, yeah. Um, they say that they kicked him out 15 years ago, which if this is taking place in 1975, like it's kind of hinted at, that would mean 1960. And by that point, we had Godzilla, Rodan, Anguirus, um, if you want to Mothra. include it, uh, Mothra, and then Rodan, or not Rodan, Theron. Um, so we had already seen giant kaiju, and a lot of them came from the sea, so them saying you're crazy for saying you can control a giant animal, it's mm-hmm. a little on the fence, like, they would know that those exist. They wouldn't beat him up because they clearly showed them like trashing him on the ground. Yeah, I the way I try to explain that away is that it's the, that he was saying that he could control the monsters, not that he had discovered a monster. Well, don't they say that he discovered Titanosaurus and they called him crazy said, for that? They uh, yes, yeah. He also said he could control it. Uh, which admittedly, if yeah. you say you could control a kaiju, that's going down some potentially dark roads there, which they find out later because we see mind weaponized mind control kaiju later. So, just saying. But yeah, it's true. But outside of the that continuity issue, which the Showa eras always had that, so I'm not like this ruins yeah. the movie. <laughs> I did a presentation on Showa era continuity, and it's not ironclad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, outside of the one flaw with the suit and the entirety, the entirety of the Bobcon Enterprises version, <laughs> that literally, first of all, that film is in the wrong aspect ratio. It's in, um, and uh, it's horribly cropped. Oh God! Yeah. Um, the film was shot in two forty one. And it's 4.3 aspect ratio. They cut out every bit of language and violence in the film to get it a G rating. And yeah. they so do- stupid. And it, it hurt. It's not just a case of you, you, know, you just don't see certain things. It damages the pacing of the movie. And it the damages soundtrack. the story. They changed the ending because they, they didn't want Katsura to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because she she shoots herself, she commits suicide so that the Mechagodzilla controller in her is disabled. It's a heroic sacrifice. Again, bookending with uh, you know the Showa era with a, yet another heroic uh, sacrifice. Like with in this case, it wasn't Harada, you know, because it was Harada before, mm-hmm. and they they took it out. Yeah, and there's some and it, implied- it, it, so then Mechagodzilla in that version just randomly shorts out mm-hmm. and there's some implied teleportation in this movie yes it's it's probably a special effects error but it looks like a teleportation well yeah it probably is just because it probably you, is just they, they obviously don't vanish they don't teleport away because the characters the other characters catch up with them mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. But it, i just it call it a, i call it a teleport so it 
it can't be an error because it like happens five times in the same sequence. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. got to be on purpose. Yeah, but it's not been. It's not directly. It's not directly referenced though. Right. There's no because typically when you get someone to teleport, when you get a teleportation in a movie, you get some kind of sound cue that tells you that's or a visual cue or something. Or a visual usually cue, both something. You don't just see someone pop in and off screen like right that without yeah. it being even when uh, even in the original Star Trek where that's what they would do. They would put a sound effect in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's the least they could do. So that tells me it was not on purpose. Yeah. Because I would have figured, I would, I assume that they would have thought, you know, sort of that far ahead with it. But you know, yeah. that's neither here nor there. I, I, I figured there wouldn't be a whole lot of dislikes for this movie. Honestly, yeah. well, you know, I we do have been... one more. Uh, sure. Go as ahead. much as we praise Katsura as a character, admittedly, because I think Tomo, I don't remember if this was Tomoko Ai's first movie or if it was one of her first movies. So she was actually one of the leading cast members in Ultraman Leo, if I remember right, and I don't Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. This was her first feature film. Okay. There are points where, particularly when she dies, because she kind of dies a couple of times in this (laughs) movie, and or she gets injured in some way, she acts like she's in a silent film because, my gosh, her deaths are very dramatic. If, if, hey man, she's like flying back and way. spinning like a ballerina and just like oh, calm down what the heck hey man if i had to go that's the way i want to go ishiro honda's sure. last directorial film was terror of mechagodzilla minus the films that he assistant directed in akira kurosawa's dreams and a few other of his films this was the final show of continuity film it was the last film henry g saperstein worked with his other films included Invasion of Astro Monster, The War of the Gargantuas, and Frankenstein Conquers the World. The story was actually won in a contest, and the winner was the person we mentioned earlier. Titanosaurus was originally going to be two monsters called Titans, and they merged into one. I believe it was a male and a female. The final- well, how funny that we we almost had giant monsters called Titans here before the MonsterVerse. Right. That is weird, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. The final fight was originally going to take place in Tokyo, uh, downtown Tokyo to be exact, but due to budgetary reasons, they cut that. There were four drafts of this script made. Um, in fact, uh, Shiro Honda actually mentioned that he liked working with a female writer because it brought something to the films that he had not felt before i guess you could say a woman's touch yeah there's a def there's definitely some more i would say feminine energy in this and a bit more of a female focus you know we have katsura uh you know as a, a more or less a main character and i think through you can definitely see a lot of stuff that was going on societally for japanese women because she's being controlled by a lot of men in this, but she's also trying to assert her own identity. Mm-hmm. And th- there's a big focus on relationships because the, I can't remember his name now, but the, the marine biologist is in love with her and she's also trying to do right by her father. So there's a big focus on father daughter relationships. There's a lot of female focused things happening in this right. movie. Now, Nathan- I think it's in large part because of that 
screenwriter. Right. Now, Nathan, let me ask you this. So these people are defined as star-crossed lovers. This is also found in Invasion of Astro Monster. Who do you think did it better? Um, Glenn and Miss Namikawa or Katsura and Ishinotsu? Glenn and Namikawa. I would agree with you there. The, there's a little bit more development with it. They also get to actually kiss, and yeah, they're actually in a relationship. This is more of a, you know, it, this there's the potential for a relationship, but it never quite manifests. See, yeah, there's that. There's the sexual tension without the uh, sexual sex. Exec- <laughs> without the well, without the without the execution, right? Um. I find it, uh, to be honest, I, I kind of like the story more because it it's more akin to real life. Like, this is not a happy love story. This is a Romeo and Juliet kind of love story where we never get to see the star-crossed lovers that have been fighting this entire movie to get together, get right. together. Well, the same right. thing happens in Monster Zero. But... but they at least got to hook up in a thing for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Here is Although I would say in a way it's actually a little bit more tragic. They were actually in a relationship and then she turns out to be an alien spy but mm-hmm. she's actually in love with him which makes things even more complicated. Yeah. But she's I mean, a robot and doesn't have feelings typically or at least she's not supposed to. I don't think zillions are robots. But No, I was referring to uh, Katsura. Oh, she, well, she's mentioned- a cyborg. Yeah. 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 I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to side with Nathan on this one because I think the Glenn, I think the Glenn and Miss Namikawa uh, romance was a little bit more tragic because you, because that plot twist there toward the end of the relationship where she is a rope, where she's an alien, where she's a, a robot essentially feels more like a heart. So it feels more of a heartbreak than in this. Yeah. Movie. Because she, because the idea was that, she was only in a relationship with him because she was undercover. Mm-hmm. She was using him. Right. Whereas in this, well, it's, it's, it, whereas in this, uh, Ichinose is the one avenue that I think Katsura may have thought I could, if I could love him, I could escape all of this. But I'm also loyal to my father, so I'm really torn. Again, dealing with a lot of female-focused issues here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a really that's a really good point you brought up there, Elijah. Thanks for bringing for bringing a lot of that up. It's yeah. just it's just a, it's just a, one of those really unique aspects of this film, and one of the I, I will say that I enjoy Showa era films more than some of the uh, the later films because they're dealing with I feel like a lot more interesting plot lines right. and a lot more interesting themes, right? And the, and that's just this is just part of it. So before we get a little bit too more, a little bit too deep in the weeds here, I think we've pretty much covered everything we want to cover, at least about the movie. So I could say could, so much more. I, I know you can, but I but it's already been almost two hours, and I don't want to, and I don't want this to be a three hour episode. So um, let me move in. You are not a real podcaster until you have made a three hour episode. You're right. Let me. Well, technically. <laughs> Technically, I have made a three-hour episode before, but just not for Kaiju Weekly. Uh, <laughs> you also split it into two parts. I, I need to True. say one positive thing to complete the positivity sandwich. 
Sure. Okay. I am a huge, huge fan of the dolly shots in this film. If oh, yeah, anybody yeah. knows what dolly shots are, and it sounds like we all know, but if you don't, basically it's where you get the camera on a dolly. Dolly's a little thing that moves around, and they in this film they slightly angle it up, and it goes across the set. Um, the two shots that really stand out to me is it's Godzilla and Titanosaurus both times. First, it's when Godzilla shows up, and second, whenever they're fighting in the countryside. Oh, I love those. I love how like we move past the buildings and we we see them. It's those dolly shots are so good. Uh, I I have a weird thing about dolly shots, but I love them. They're so good. <laughs> uh, well, I'll bring up one more to complete the sandwich. A Fuka based score in this is actually really good. I don't yes. think it's his best. He recycles a lot of stuff. And a lot of cues get reused in this. But what music we do have in here is really good. There's also some really nice new music in this. The We have the flashback to when Katsura dies the first time. It mm -hmm. sounds weirdly Frankenstein-esque. Yeah. Like universal Frankenstein-esque. Gorgon's it, 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 it Honestly, it's a, it's a weirdly apocalyptic sounding soundtrack. Mm -hmm. It really is. So, and if you yeah, know, I'm and, still, well, go for it. I'm still going to say that the, the previous film beats it because you know, the, the soundtrack to Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla is just, mwah. yeah, you know, it's the theme for your spinoff. So it's safe to say we, we all really love this movie, yes. right? So we can probably, it's probably a really safe part of the episode since we are running a little bit long to go ahead and give our manila score Wait, and our manila score our, our menu score right that's what we do every week is our menu score right anyone well uh anyone? we uh, uh when was the transfer of power on kaiju weekly because there's a lot of changes going on here and i am not prepared for this i need where's well, travis i need to make a complaint i assure you it was peaceful that's all I'm going to say. Um, but in all seriousness, our Godzuki score. Sing it. We have to get. Sing it. Uh, our Godzuki <laughs> score. There we go. And for anyone who is brand new to the podcast, we like to celebrate the sillier side of these films. And that is why we use the great and powerful Godzuki as our yardstick to grade these films. So I'm going to start with uh, Elijah. What is your Godzuki score for Terror of Mechagodzilla? <sighs> well, I, I'm trying to, th so I, I'm going to make, I'm going to sound like a fanboy here. Let's be honest. I'm, I'm going to totally nerd out during this. So if I had to give, out of five Godzukis, I would have to do five out of five. Okay. All right. Wow. Five out of five for Elijah. Wow. Do you care to share your any any final thoughts uh, about wow. the film? Wow. Terror of Mechagodzilla, looking past my nostalgia, because my nostalgia makes it a six out of five easily. <laughs> um <laughs> 
Terror of Mecca. On a scale of one to ten, you are an eleven. <laughs> um, Terror of Mecha Godzilla to me. Every time I watch it, it's the one Godzilla movie where I tear up, and I'm not sad because Katsura is dead or Titanosaurus dies because he was an innocent creature. The ending says a lot. the The ending is a perfect circle from the original Godzilla. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of that movie, we end in tragedy, and Godzilla's dead, and people are um, mourning the loss. In this film, we have a tragic death. Godzilla's alive, and we're celebrating the victory, saving the planet. And it comes full circle. And I, I love that, that part that from Gojira, we come to a perfect middle. Um, prior films like Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster and Godzilla vs. Megalon were a little too cheerful or happy Godzilla, superhero Godzilla. And then you had the stuff like Mothra vs. and King Kong vs. where Godzilla was a villain. I think Terror of Mechagodzilla is a great middle where Godzilla, he's a superhero, but he's he's fighting for what he needs to do. He doesn't save a human. Like, he, Titanosaurus steps on some kids and Godzilla doesn't. Uh, I don't think he did. I think, I think, he's, I think, I, I think he saved those kids because they called out for help and Godzilla showed up. And by the way, one of them was named Ken. I can't help but think that that might have been a bit of a slight of camera. <laughs> I'd like to think they died. <laughs> you're, um, you're terrible. You're terrible. terrible. You're canceled. I'm offended. You're a a monster. (laughs) Um, But I I love the the last 20 minutes of the film I think is a great collimation of what the Showa era was. Um, When Godzilla finally makes it to Mechagodzilla, we've been on the edge of our seats. He's been burning, he's been shot at, and here he is, he's pounding away it's a true Rocky moment. Godzilla's went the last nine rounds and is pretty... You know, I can't watch that scene without Eye of the Tiger thing <laughs> in my head now. Um, I am the tiger even though I'm on fire! <laughs> oh. um, but I, I, it's, it's a great moment. It's very heroic, and I love it. And the ending... Okay, so a lot of people mention Godzilla's theme, Mechagodzilla's theme, but I think the true highlight of this film is that ending theme. It's only a minute and like 20 seconds. It's barely in the movie, but as we see Godzilla roaring in victory and walking off into the ocean for the next 10 years... And, in a really, really stiff suit. Yeah, I mean, it's an awful suit, but I think the message... Well, it's the fake Godzilla suit from 74. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, but that score, it's, it's, it's not cheerful, but it's also not depressing. Like, it's this, it's, it's a concluding song soundtrack piece that doesn't give you everything, but it gives you enough that it it suffices for what it's trying to do. And it's nice that we started, Godzilla came out of the sea destroying things. 
as this beast that nobody wanted that was a tragic monster. And now he's going back into the ocean as a heroic monster that has mm-hmm. done what he needs to do and has proven his dominance. Yeah. So the ending alone is five out of five for me. I love this movie. I think it works in every way. I, I honestly would say this is the perfect Godzilla movie. Yeah. Mic drop. I mean, he did tell us that there was going to be at least one mic drop moment in this uh, conversation. Uh, so, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I like what you, I like. I like that, Elijah. So, Nathan, uh, what is your Godzuki <laughs> score and your final thoughts? Uh, after the, my, Elijah's little speech there, I don't know if I can talk about <laughs> My, so I, I teared up a little bit. Yeah. yeah, the mine would I would give it a four and a half. I, I don't think it's quite perfect, but mm-hmm. it's still and probably always will be one of my favorites. And let me explain that. When I was in college, I had the privilege of meeting Walter Hooper. Mm-hmm. Probably don't know that name, but Walter Hooper served at, essentially as the secretary for C.S. Lewis in the final years of Lewis's life. Mm-hmm. And he, Walter Hooper shared a conversation that he had with Lewis one time that has always stuck with me because it, I honestly thought it's incredibly profound. Right. He, uh, Lewis once asked him, because Hooper was a huge fan of Lewis's books. He devoured all of them before we even started working for him. And he asked him, what do you think is my uh, best book? And he said, sir, I think your best book is That Hideous Strength. Then he asked him, okay, which book is you, which of my books is your favorite? And he said, sir, my favorite is Paralandra. I may be getting the titles mixed up just so you know, but it's immaterial. And then Lewis pointed out, see, your favorite is not always the best. Right. And I think that is absolutely wonderful. So is this the best Godzilla movie? I wouldn't necessarily say it is. It does have some technical issues in the script and in terms of the special effects and things like that. It was, you know, the, the signs that it was rushed are evident. But it's still one of my favorites for all the things that it does do right. And yeah. because it's... There's some nostalgia talking because it's my first Godzilla film. So it's always going to be special for me in one form or another, because if it wasn't for this movie, I wouldn't be sitting here talking with you guys. I wouldn't have started a podcast. I would not be a fan. Right. You know, it's not the first tokusatsu that I saw, but it's the first Godzilla movie I sat down and watched. And I will always, always hold it in high regard for that reason alone. Mm-hmm. It is why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, to me, it is a very fitting end to the Showa era. And I like what Elijah said, the, the ending music <clears throat> for terror of Mechagodzilla. It really does fit. The, it really does fit because, <clears throat> you know, one thing that's unique about the Japanese, uh, 
uh, monster genre or the Japanese Godzilla film specifically is anytime um, Godzilla is say defeated or, or leaves or whatever, it's treated as a somber moment. It's not treated sort of like um, American monster films where we've defeated the monster and now we're all going to celebrate, which is one thing that felt really weird to me about the 1998 film, which we won't go into. Um, (laughs) And just that ending scene with Godzilla riding off into the sunset really does feel like the end of an era. And I know it, it seems cheesy to a lot of folks, but this film hits all the right notes for me. Um, it's special effects work is phenomenal. The cast of characters is solid. Uh, Godzilla puts the, well, the, the Kaiju actors, uh, put on a solid performance. Um, and it's, you know, Terra Mechagodzilla has a, a uh, special place in my heart, of course, as being one of the first Godzilla films. It's not my first Godzilla film. Raids Again was my very first Godzilla film, um, which is why I'm I have a soft spot for that one as well. And um, you know, Terror of Mechagodzilla will always rank really, really high for me. So it's not quite a five out of five. Uh, I respect Elijah's decision there, um, but I'm going to side with Nathan and say it also is a four point five for me, four and a half star, four and a half Godzukis. Um, just for the simple fact that it may not be a perfect film, but it is a very appropriate film to end this era on. And it has everything that I think a lot of us <clears throat> grew to love about this genre and about this franchise. Yeah, most definitely. And I also want to point out the Ultraman franchise also took a minor hiatus around 1975. Um, it wasn't mm-hmm. until 1980 when Tokusatsu came back. So for basically half a decade, Terror of Mechagodzilla was kind of the ending of the Showa era. Um, even though technically yeah. it ended in 89, it was never the same after Terror. Um, yeah. And I think it, it really says something whenever you think about that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, um, I'm, I'm really happy that we covered this one for the Showa era. Uh, not just because, not just because we did, uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla earlier in the year. And, uh, it's only appropriate to, to do this one as well, but I don't know. This is, this is one of, this is one of many fans favorite films from the Showa era and for good reason, you know, for, for very good reason. So, yeah, I think we picked a good one, guys. Uh, you know, it's been a good discussion. Yeah. I don't ha- I wish I had some mailbag questions for this episode, but it's probably a good that I don't since we're already running a little bit long. Out of curiosity, uh, um is th- did this win longest episode yet? Uh possibly if not if not if not, after I edit it down, uh, our episode on Annihilation with uh, Kaiju Hime actually may still be our longest episode. Uh-uh. Um, but uh, I'll have to edit it's, it down to find out. It's uh, still not as long as my longest episode. Uh, th- that's true. That's true. Um, but 
I do have a trivia question for next week. And uh, for new listeners, we do like to ask a trivia question to help hint to the film we're going to cover um, in the next uh, episode. And so this one will continue our Godzilla month. Um, Next week, I'll give you just a little bit of a hint. Uh, Next week, we are going to be pulling a film from the Heisei era of films. uh, And the trivia question that goes along with that one is, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla was the first Godzilla film to be shown in color. But what film was the first G film to feature sound in Dolby stereo? I know that's probably a hard one, but... Except you narrowed it down to seven movies. True, true. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, hopefully that one's not too tough for people to answer. So we'll post that up to Twitter. We'll post that up to the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group and Instagram. And, of course, as always, if you answer the question, you can give us a funny answer, a serious answer, the correct answer, or the wrong answer. We will still read it out on the podcast. And uh, also, for anyone listening, I just want to thank you guys for sticking around with us this long. Okay, so before we get out of here, guys, I want to give you I want to give you both a few minutes to plug whatever else you guys have going on with your own shows and your own endeavors. Uh, Nathan, let's start with you. Uh, you can uh, check out the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through Tokusatsu, and you can follow us on Twitter at the Monster Isla One. You can also follow my intrepid producer, Na- uh, Jimmy from NASA, at NASA Jimmy. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. And if you want to check out my other work, because I am also a published author and a freelance writer, you can follow me on Twitter at NathanMarchand7. My website is NathanJSMarchand.com, because yes, I have to use my Two middle initials because NathanMarchand.com was already bought. I'm going to find that guy and he's in big trouble. And also the podcast website is MonsterIslandFilmVault.com and I think I've gotten everything and I have said and far too many times in one sentence. Go! (laughs) Right, right. Now don't you have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you can also follow your uh, cohorts also on on the social medias with with your show? Oh, you mean the, the, I already mentioned Jimmy. You're talking about the board? Sure, follow the board. My Orwellian <laughs> bosses. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, and uh, you're monster, a writer what is it? Well. The uh, Monster Isla B.O.D. Because apparently they like their bod, I guess. I'm too sexy for my bod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, Elijah, go ahead and plug everything you're involved in, man. Invite me. I would love to be on. Just say. Well, you just had a really splendid episode with your grandparents on. Which was a fantastic interview, I might add. It was. It was really lovely. Really, really lovely. Yeah, your your both your grandparents seem like just beautiful people.
Can they be my grandparents too? Well, they can be all of our grandparents at this point. Okay. For the first time, and that will be our 66th birthday episode for Gojira. Um, hopefully that comes out very soon as of this recording. You can always follow the podcast on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. Um, we also have an Instagram and Facebook. I don't post there a lot. I don't really care for Facebook or Instagram, but I'm working on it. Or you can... Um, ask us a question at kaijuconversation at gmail.com if you need to. Um, we also have a Teespring store. Um, it's just the logo as of currently. Slowly working on getting uh, some new exclusive artwork on there. Just taking some time. We also have a Discord server. If you want to hop on there and chat with us, that's awesome. Uh, really appreciate it. And then we also have a YouTube channel where we post the episodes. And hopefully here in the near future... Maybe rants that I or one of my guests gets on and I, I feel like it's too much for an episode. But I'm like, you know, this is a good five minute short video for people to just listen to once. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also have a Twitter. It's at ET13Productions. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel under ET13Productions and a Instagram where I post stuff like new uh, info I get or research or photography i've done or just random videos and uh an announcement for this podcast for me at least this is the first time i actually discussed it publicly because of re researching terror of mechagodzilla i have decided to start a book i'm going to be writing really a book really? Okay. about the godzilla films and kind of my analysis of them and research now i don't know when i'm going to finish this book because it's going to be a side hobby i've already got a lot of stuff to do but i'm going to write about all 35 godzilla films um maybe i can have it done by next year but we will have to wait and see well danny and i have some competition <laughs> well, it, it does it does sound like it so i'm i'm definitely looking forward to that man i, I read your I got to read your article about the Gamera series. I love that article. Uh, that is, I'm so proud of that. Yeah, you should be. You should be. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic article. I, I, you know, it's great. Thank you. And I think that's everything. Um, yeah, that I'm pretty sure that's everything I'm involved in. Also, just shout out for Travis here. Get uh, there is a magazine coming up that I think we're all excited for. Am I right? Yeah, I'm going to be in the first issue. Uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Travis yeah, we're, we're working on... We're, we're working on a special project. It is a magazine. We're not going to share any details just yet, but we're hoping to have it done January, February of 2021. So more details on that coming very, very soon. But yeah, that's, that's everything I think. 
you can follow the podcast uh, at Kaiju Weekly and Kaiju Groupie Pod on Twitter. Uh, we are also Kaiju Weekly Pod on Instagram, and I am at the Kaiju Groupie on Instagram. Uh, you can follow us on the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. Uh, that's usually where we're hanging out, just talking with other Kaiju and Tokusatsu fans. Um, you can also email your feedback to the podcast to kaijuweekly at gmail.com. Uh, we want to give a big thank you to Alex and Sheger for uh, uh, supporting us on Patreon. At this moment, Travis and I still don't have a, uh, an idea of what we're going to be doing with the Patreon. Uh, we have mulled over the idea of actually canceling it altogether since... Um, like everything else on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, since we've not done a whole lot with it there, uh, and we're trying to focus our attention onto other endeavors for the show, uh, we're really considering just kind of canceling the Patreon or at least suspending it for, for the moment and then focusing on some other projects that we have in mind, but they're important ones and we'll keep you guys posted in the future about that. Uh, if, but if you do want to support us on Patreon, if we have a sudden surge of people that want to give us their money to hear stuff we talk about, that would be great. You can find us at patreon.com slash Kaiju weekly pod. Uh, another way you can support the show is by going to Apple podcasts and giving us a five star review criticize us all you want in the comment portion but as long as you make it five stars worth we will we will read that feedback on a future episode otherwise um, your criticism good. is invalid <laughs> otherwise your criticism is invalid and it will not count uh in the overall scheme of things so uh what that's going to do is that's going to put this show in front of other kaiju and tokusatsu fans just like you it's going to help us grow it's going to help travis see the goo as he's been on this big campaign <laughs> to do um and it's just going to help us. It's just going to help us a lot. And as always, if you can't give us, if you can't support, support us financially, I know times are still pretty tough out there. You can at least give us a five-star review on Apple podcasts. So with that said, I just want to thank you guys for coming on. It was, it's always fun to talk with you guys. I know we probably went a little bit long, um, longer than what we expected to, but I, but every time we three get together, um it's always a really good time so so thank you both for for hopping on here with me well thank you for inviting us i'm very happy to talk about this film in particular it was a pleasure <laughs> it's it's absolutely it's always a pleasure it's always a pleasure uh so as always you can help control the simian population <laughs> and have your titanosauruses spayed or neutered not sure what else to do with that so i guess we'll see you guys uh, next time <laughs> now i'm suddenly thinking of uh, revenge of the fallen the the robot scrotum i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>